0: Forty years ago this week, the news broke early on a Saturday morning. A robbery and mass shooting at a private gambling establishment in Seattle's international district that left 13 people dead. Our resident historian, Felix Bunnell, is here with some audio artifacts from the tragedy at the Wame Club
1: yeah it's a horrific story anyone living here 40 years ago probably still remembers it's the worst mass shooting in washington history 13 people died 12 men and one woman mostly local chinese american business people in their 50s i caught up with our old colleague tim hake a few days ago tim was just a kid in his mid-20s anchoring weekend northwest early that morning of saturday february 19th 1983 he rolled tape as they say and he kept the cassette which he gave me a few years ago it's a violent and terrible story, a tragedy for those it touched, but it's also part of local history that should be remembered. Uh, this is Tim Hake on the job for Cairo listeners 40 years ago.
2: Cairo News Time 508. Tragedy overnight in Seattle in the International District. A mass murder has been discovered. Cairo News Radio's Jim Reed has a live report. Tim, I'm here in the International District on South King Street at Maynard Alley. we just before 1 o'clock this morning. Uh, a man was found down in the alley. Police
3: officers responded. They found him shot. He was conscious. He told uh, officers they had to get inside a private club in the alley called the Wa Me Club. Uh, officers had to break down the door to get in. What they found inside was a grizzly sight. Thirteen people had been shot. Uh, only one of them still alive, and he was not alive for much longer. They were all bound. We're told they were all older Asian men. This is, a, we're told, a, a club where gambling is frequently the case and some high-stakes gambling as
2: well. At this point, police are labeling it a robbery. Jim Reed, Cairo News, Radio 71 in the International District.
1: You know, Tim Hackney told, uh, told me that Jim Reed was an old-school radio guy, kind of a yeah. scanner hound, always listening to the scanner, wearing oh, a shirt yeah. and tie every day. Yeah. I think Jim passed away about 10 or more years ago. Did, did you work with him, Dave? I did, yes. We're, we're with yeah. both of them. Okay, yeah, and now the the news from Seattle was the lead story on CBS at 6 a.m.
0: CBS News, I'm Neil Strauger. Why is the question in Seattle? Why were 13 people shot to death in a private Chinese gambling club early today? Seattle police spokesman Gary Flynn says there are no clear answers as yet don't know. Uh, the individual in the hospital who is still alive possibly will be our best lead, and uh, motivation uh, is very difficult to say.
1: And more about that individual in the hospital in a moment. Now, the existence of a private gambling clubs in the international district like the Wamee apparently wasn't a secret in 1983 went back at least to the 1920s. But the robbery and murder brought far more attention than had ever been paid by anyone, at least in recent years. And it harkened back to those days when Seattle was known for being an open city, when law enforcement looked the other way and allowed gambling and prostitution to thrive. It was a really sort of a strange... Kind of a throwback or reminder of, of earlier days. Now, when Jim Reed went to cover a fire in Magnolia, Cairo's Carolyn Duncan took over at the scene in the International District.
4: Carolyn Duncan reporting from the scene here at Maynard Alley, just off of about uh, 7th Avenue and South King Street. It's a block where the Tai Tung Restaurant is. There's an alley uh, where police say there was a Chinese gambling club. We're told the name of it is Wa Mei, roughly translated into uh, English to mean beautiful China. Uh, police first got a report of a, a man injured in the alley here they found inside the gambling club uh... twelve bodies one person still alive the person uh... Um later died at Harborview Hospital. So we now have a total of 13 people dead, one person still alive at Harborview. We had editor uh, George Hamasaki go down to Harborview. He said there were seven police officers inside the emergency room. He said, very heavy guard there, uh, so as to protect that person who is still alive. We are told this is a long time uh, Chinese gambling club, maybe the longest or the oldest in the city. We don't know much more. Police are not telling us a lot.
1: Yeah, and that one survivor was a man named Wai Chin. He was in his early 60s. He was a dealer at the club. He'd come on duty right before the robbery. He survived two gunshots to the jaw and neck and was able to name two of the suspects, which led to their arrest later that same morning. A third suspect got away and was arrested in Calgary a year and a half later. Um, The first two suspects were convicted and are serving life sentences without parole. The third suspect was also convicted but was eventually paroled and then deported to China. Uh, in talking with Tim Hick the other day, he said as young as he was and as early as February 1983 was in his career, he's just never forgotten that morning.
2: It's overwhelming. Uh, the, you know, the, the loss of life is, is pretty dramatic, but you kind of put that aside. and mean, I was a young kid. I'd never covered a story like this, and thankfully I had a guy like Jim Reed and also Carolyn Duncan there to do the heavy lifting. I just sort of uh, tossed to them. But yeah, it's, it's dramatic stuff. It's, it's heavy stuff.
1: You know, and they still remember this at the King County Prosecutor's Office. And for some additional perspective, I reached out to a good friend at the station. That's Casey McNerthney, spokesperson for the Prosecutor's Office. I think it's hard for people who
2: weren't in Seattle at the time to realize what a big deal this was, because that was before school shootings happened periodically and before Cafe Racer or the Jewish Federation shooting or the Capitol Hill murders in 2006. Seattle hadn't seen something like this. The biggest tragedies that we had were the the Seventh Avenue apartment fire that killed more than a dozen people and the ozark hotel fire so those were were kind of the biggest things but fires had a different sense you didn't you didn't have a mass shooting like this it was such a small town and to have something like this happen in seattle that that would be the kind of, of crime that you would hear about in like chicago or maybe new york but not in little seattle
1: yeah and that that space sat vacant for about 30 years the building was damaged in a fire back on christmas eve 2013 They saved the facade, but the space where the club had stood there in the alley has been pretty much scrubbed away. But obviously the memory still still remains. Yeah. And, uh, well, I I remember that. I
0: I was never down there to cover it. Uh, We also had the, uh, remember the cannery union uh, workers killing, which was a a hit ordered from the Philippines, as I recall. Yeah, or
1: Ferdinand Marcos, the the dictator of the Philippines, ordered that that hit. It was sort of that early 80s where it felt more like the 1920s in Seattle
0: in some ways. Felix Binell, all his features at mynorthwest.com. Thank you, Felix. Thanks, Dave. And some major bills are facing a deadline in the legislature. Let's go to Cairo News Radio's Matt Markovich, who joins us live. Good morning, Matt. What's up? Good morning, Dave. It's day 38. We're a third of the way through this 105 day legislative session and a
3: big day coming up on Friday where it's the cutoff day. If you don't have a bill passed out of your committee, it's dead for this year. Um, and that's, and we, we got two big bills that, that both sides of the aisle said we're going to fix, and that's the police pursuit bill and the Blake decision, which means the personal possession of illegal drugs. So let's go to the pursuit update. The leadership of both the House and the Senate, that's R's and the D's, uh, had press conferences yesterday, and they were asked about the pursuit update. Right now there is no bill in the Senate because the chairman did not allow a bill to be heard, so there's only one hope, and that's in the House. And that bill is scheduled for an important vote, vote on Thursday and the Democratic Majority Leader Joe Fitzgibbon says there's a lot of debate in the caucus right now and they're the party in power in control of
5: this bill. So there's safety fears on both sides and so this is a tough issue that um, I think every one of our members is struggling to balance those those respective concerns.
3: Now on the Republican side, JT Wilcox is the minority leader of the House and says there's a lot of bipartisan support including from his group to pass this bill.
5: When he co-sponsors for a Democratic bill said that we need to retrace our steps and end this tragic experiment, the Democratic majority embarked upon a couple of years ago in just deciding that people can behave with impunity and the rest of uh, law-abiding society can live with the consequences. So
0: if it went to a vote now, could it pass with Republican support? Um, no. No. It no, it. Um, so de- there's, you have, there's no there's, Democrats there's actually, fixing
3: it. In the committee, it's down to two Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, if these two Democrats go against the bill. Um, then it's dead. I mean if all the Democrats vote in favor of it obviously it could pass out a committee But the Democrats are debating the main thing is are we trying to save lives by? getting uh, preventing police from pursuing certain criminals on a, a certain reasonable standard or Do we want to give the police more power to get yeah. catch these guys and police have been saying? You know the people are just leaving when they pull them over Right. Well, but I ask you is if it were to go to a full vote Oh, I see what you're saying. Would it pass? Yeah, both yes, both 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 the leadership in the Senate and the House say they have the votes to pass something. Yes. So
0: this so that well then so the if you bottle it up in committee, you're basically defying the public will.
3: Well, that's
0: uh, that's why they call it the legislature. Yeah. You know? Okay. All right.
3: Blake update. <laughs> Blake update. So that was the uh, personal possession of illegal drugs. Uh, you know, come July, if we don't have a law in in place, uh, we go back to you can have as much as you want. So one bill, and this is more promising. One bill has passed out of committee, and uh, both sides say there will be amendments. But the the treat and, and the bill basically says there's going to be treatment tied to some form of penalty, like jail. Time, but not prison time like it used to be that when it was a felony. Senate Majority Leader Democrat Andy Billig was very positive that an agreement can be reached.
2: I think we're going to take our time with it. Not that we're going to intentionally go slow, but I also don't think we're going to intentionally try to fast track it.
3: And then you have basically it's good words from the Republicans they are saying, hey, we're agreeing with things here. Senate majority, excuse me, Senate Minority Leader Republican John Braun said this.
5: It's not everything all of us want, but it is a bill that is open enough so it can be the subject of of debate. I think ultimately that bill will take a shape that the majority
0: of the Senate uh, on both sides of the aisle will support. So I think that's a a positive item.
3: So it sounds like we may have a fix on that. Uh, they have to have a fix, but it's just a question of what degree of how much treatment and how much jail time someone would get.
0: Okay, what about this bill of uh, for kids who become online stars? Well,
3: that's it's this is really interesting. This is kind of a blend of the child labor laws. If you have to be under fourteen, you have to you know, you can't employ somebody in the state. Um and basically it's this is if parents use their kids in videos that you make money, maybe the kids should get earned some money from that. Now, the way the bill is written, if a video generates ten cents or more per view and thirty percent of the in 30% of the videos over a 30 day period the kid is featured with their parents the, the parent must set aside an unspecified percentage of the money earned from that video and put it in an escrow account and also the minor will have the ability to request the videos to be taken down when they become an adult and get that money when that comes out of the escrow account now Democrat Representative Kristen Reeves is a bill sponsor
6: so while their parents may be able to earn money by including them in vlogs many of you have probably seen these things on tiktok this is really about making sure that over the course of time these children get protected in this and that they're receiving monetary value for their likeness and that ultimately at the end of the day if they decide once they become an adult that they don't want to have their presence viewed online anymore that they have a means to be able to ask for that to be taken down
3: now, Washington law provides that every individual and personality has the property right to use their name and voice and signature. basically you own your likeness. Now, anybody who infringes upon that in this state uh, could be fined from fifteen hundred dollars or more. But, you know, if they are thinking this is about kids making money, well, there is a serious side of this. And one woman testified about how her online exposure by her mother changed her life. And it was not in a good way.
6: When
7: I was nine years old, the intimate details of my first period were shared online. My first year in high school, I had a severe case of MRSA, which had me in and out of the hospital for three months, all of which was posted and over-exaggerated on social media. When I'd returned to school, my math teacher, who had seen my mother's posts, would taunt me and tell kids to stay away from the infected girl, which led to peer bullying, decline of my mental health, and which inevitably led me to dropping out of school. I plead you to be the voice for this generation of children, because I know firsthand what it's like to not have a choice.
5: Yikes.
0: Well, that's a violation of privacy, but also, why would a teacher do that? Correct. Well, that's,
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would think that the teacher would be in big trouble yeah. if if that ever came to light um but she basically puts you know kind of painted the dark side of all this uh, it's not all fun and games uh and when a child has no control over what their parents do and they're earning some money off YouTube by posting you know some something about your first period or she was upset about all the bikini fit up uh, videos and pictures that her mom posted when she was a teenager sure. um that's the bad side of this uh law Thought, I thought it was interesting. Now, does it have a chance? I don't know, because it, 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 the you're asking the platforms like Facebook and TikTok and Instagram to pull down videos as part of this law. And in the way this law is written, it's very simple. So this law would need a lot more language in it for it to really become a reality this year. so But I thought it was an interesting idea.
0: I think it's fascinating. The trouble with the, the online companies is they don't want to pay for the kind of content moderation it would take to you'd have to literally evaluate millions of videos before posting them to avoid this kind of damage being done.
3: And then and, and there's no specification on how much money, yeah. just basically 10 cents of you. And, it's, and something I learned really quick, Dave, just is so people have an understanding about how much money make people online. When I did a story about YouTube a couple of years ago, the average YouTuber makes 14 dollars for every thousand views. So you can start with the math on that. If you have a really focused video like you're you're changing the oil on your car and that gets a lot of sponsorship, that can make twenty five dollars per thousand views. And then but if you're showing your vacation videos and people don't care about it, you maybe earn a dollar per thousand views. So that's kind of the money
0: we're talking about here. Matt Markovich, Matt, thank you. You're welcome.
7: Time for the Daily Dose of Kindness, brought to you by Heritage Homecraft. We start with a mom filled with gratitude.
4: For one boy who wants a friend, is just
7: unbelievable, the love we've seen. But it started with heartbreak. A community in St. Louis worth celebrating today. 24-year-old Christian Bowers recently went viral because of a post that his mom made on Facebook. Christian has Down syndrome, and he's often lonely, according to his mom. In a heartbreaking move, she even offered to pay someone to be Christian's friend. $80 for two hours, two days a month to just play video games with him. He loves playing video games. The response? We get that from CBS affiliate KMOV. These new friends brought with them a
6: big surprise. Uh, Oh, my God. A brand new 65-inch flat screen TV just for him. I it! You love it? Thank you! That's not all. What TV would be complete without a new stand? Oh, my God!
7: But the gifts just keep coming. Oh! <laughs> OMG. Fuel in the form of chips and candy for those long nights of gaming. Thank you. Wow. I mean, like Christian just got saying, he got saying, OMG. That is exactly how I think we all feel. Um, was not expecting any of this. I thought maybe like a little care package.
3: People now starting to see, you know, a lot of these kids with special needs, they need somebody in their life. No. I mean... Just like we do. No different.
7: Progress. His living room filled with people here to see him at last. Every friend that comes over to visit, he he's so excited. Even at night after they leave, he just lays in bed with his eyes open, just reminiscing over the day. And he always asks us if we're jealous. Are you jealous of my friends, he says. Yeah. Bomb. In St. Charles, Caroline Hecker, News 4. And no, they're not getting paid. They're doing it out of the kindness of their hearts.
0: 7.48 Saturdays morning news. G. Scott's you in this segment, but he is out today. So we're going to replace him with a member of the United States Congress. I had a long talk with 9th District Representative Adam Smith yesterday. We talked mostly serious subjects, but there was also this uh, lightning round portion of the interview. Since you're privy to all the secret briefings, can you assure us on your word of honor that there are no aliens involved?
2: In the balloon deal. <laughs> it's funny. I was at an event last night where I offered precisely that assurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then one of the people said, yeah, but you wouldn't tell us if it was the other. No, but you would tell us. Right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look, I can assure you that we'll put it this way. if If there are actual alien craft out there, I doubt it's going to come in the form of a balloon. I mean, how would they get it here in the first place? Well, it just seems to me if they were alien
0: balloons, it's they're pretty lame alien balloon because it didn't even fire back. I mean, it didn't offer any
2: resistance, didn't try to escape. No, I I can assure you, it's it's not aliens. Um, You know, we need to get more precise answers on what exactly it is, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's within the known universe. The other thing is, would you support? finally liberating the C-SPAN
0: cameras so they can show all the sidebar arguments like they did during the first few days of the new
2: Congress. Absolutely. I mean, it would, it would get people to watch more and I think it would make I think people it, more engaged. I it, think it would be a really great
0: improved idea. the experience, I thought, plus yeah. the way they were able to enlist lip readers to tell us what they were saying and then, there, of course, there's the bad lip reading channel on YouTube which is even
2: more hilarious. It's hysterical. It's, it's great. It's, yeah. do, I, you,
0: do, you, do you mind that? I mean,
2: no, I, th- I think openness and transparency. know, <laughs> I do hope that people will understand that I think there's this misperception that you know politics is what gets in the way of de- of deals It's like no it's legitimate issues. people have differences of opinion, and you can watch the actual argument as long as you don't go, oh my gosh they're arguing that that's how we humans resolve our differences. You know, I a, thought it was great. I mean, yeah. that's the whole reason yeah. you, you take all these type
0: A personalities, elect them to Congress, throw them in a room together and see what emerges.
2: It's better than fighting in the streets. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you you don't have to work at getting along with people that you agree with. Mm-hmm. You have to work at reaching you know compromises with people you disagree with. And it's a difficult process. Speaking of politics, does Joe Biden
0: have a challenge in running again because of his age?
2: Um, I think clearly he he does, but thus far, I mean, I thought the State of the Union was fine. He's doing the job well. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, I think is she's older yeah. than Joe Biden. Yeah, I did that, and you know, Nancy's up doing was doing the job great. You know, for I think two years past where where Joe Biden is is right now. So everything I see shows me that Joe Biden is healthy and capable of doing the job. But yeah, it's something you got to think about. I think anybody you're going to take on a task like that, you got to think about your health. Um, Talk to his doctors, physical, see if he's there. But right Mm -hmm. now... I mean, you can like him, dislike him, agree with policy, disagree with policies. He's doing the job personally. I think he's doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. When you look at um, where we're at as a country. Um, but I certainly think he's more than proven that at this age he's capable of doing it. Well, I think he shot down more balloons than any other president, right? <laughs> Indeed. I, in fact, I had the joke that, you know, if we if we shot down a third balloon, uh, we should win a giant stuffed animal. Absolutely. From the, <laughs> I, I don't think they agreed with us on that. But. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Congressman
0: Adam Smith. That
7: was good. He's got jokes.
0: Yeah. You ever watch the bad lip reading
7: YouTube channel? Ever since the whole Speaker of the House debacle when that account really took off I've been, yeah, anytime there's a kerfuffle in Congress it's great.
0: Who brought the tiger? Yeah. You know, I think my shoes are too tight.
7: <laughs> They're so good. They're so good. No, I appreciate his transparency. He's always a good interview, somebody who's willing to actually, you know, answer the questions when you ask them. So uh, I've noticed I
0: haven't gotten much um, uh, pushback from listeners on how, oh, yes, there really are they probably did take down an alien spacecraft and they're not telling us about it. No. That that seems to have finally petered out.
7: I don't know. I think the boogeyman has always been China. And so people are willing to settle on this boogeyman for the balloons. If there were still questions about where they came from, I think maybe Russia would be the next guess, maybe North Korea, and then we'd go to aliens. But I
0: don't know if Russia has the time for balloons these days.
7: Do you really want to, like, call out people to talk to us about <laughs> aliens right now? Can we just stick to spy <laughs> yeah, well, balloons? See if you're
5: finally convinced that it was all balloons all along.
0: Can we
7: focus yeah. on the issue? You also, I can jump in on it. You know, no, I know no.
5: how much I love you know, <laughs> the Ancient Aliens TV show. Oh, man. Hey, but
0: I mean, uh, just in Google, if you if you Google balloons, a lot of stuff will come up, including like, like I was mentioning in the commentary, programs that uh, the U.S. military has done mm-hmm. to experiment with surveillance balloons. Oh sure,
7: we're
5: all doing it. Yeah. Right. Well, as I was joking, I mean, I hate. I hope there's not some poor kid who's working on his masters, <laughs> who was in atmospheric sciences, who had just had mm-hmm. his doctorate blown out of the sky by a national yeah. weather <laughs> service.
7: They send out weather balloons all the time. <laughs> well, they denied
5: it was any of theirs.
7: Right. But so. I'm just saying. Like, I wonder if they now have to like get it cleared through the federal well, they, government.
0: Yes, that's that's the whole it. idea. And yeah. when you clear it, they don't
5: shoot you down. Right. But if you don't clear it.
7: Pop. Maybe we can have red, white, and blue balloons, like mm-hmm. American flag balloons, that's and then right. we know which one is. Well, the stealth
5: balloons you can't don't yes, you can't see. Of course, that's because true. of their reflective surface cloaks.
0: This is Seattle's morning news. Dave Ross with Colleen O'Brien and Chris Sullivan, and here is Ninth District Congressman Adam Smith. We have a lot of things to talk about, but the first thing I wanted to ask you was um, about your your visit here, which included a ride along with something called. Health One, which is the – well, describe – what it is, because it's a, a different kind of 911 response,
2: right? Yeah, it's a response unit that works with the fire department. So uh, there, are, there are a couple of firefighters who are part of it, but they also have a social workers and mental health specialists working with them. And their job is to respond to those calls that have come in from people who could benefit from a social worker or mental health support. Um, so, the, I mean, this is the problem of you know law enforcement being called in to deal with issues that they're not trained to deal with and that isn't a crime. So they've identified from the calls that come in primarily through 911 you know who would benefit from their services and then they, they go out. During the week to try and provide those services to people experiencing a crisis in, of, of those kinds, right?
0: Crisis that doesn't necessarily need armed police to respond, correct? Right? So how do you how do you choose that
2: option when you're you know calling nine one one usually in a panic, right? I mean, yeah. w- what do you say? Well, you don't choose that option. Um, the nine one one callers know how to sift through that and direct it to where it needs to go. Um, and a lot of the calls that that health one responds to aren't immediate; they aren't necessarily emergent. Um, they get a list of people. A lot of times, you know, law enforcement or firefighters or other people will encounter encounter someone in crisis and then they will put that information into Health One to go out and respond, to do a basic wellness check on someone. You know, maybe it's an elderly person who lives on their own and can't, isn't able to take care of themselves or someone who is suicidal, experiencing a mental health challenge. Uh, so it's not necessarily an immediate response. A lot of times it can be somebody on, on the street um, who's having a crisis and they can respond to that. So it's a little bit of both.
0: I'm looking at some of the case histories here. And uh, of course, they always print the positive ones. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to yeah. to read those I'm sure there are some that don't go so well. But, I mean, in, in a number of cases, they can actually get a homeless person off the streets by, by finding out the reason that they ended up in the tent. And sometimes it's just a matter of uh, making a rent payment or, or providing some medical
2: care that, uh, yeah, it, that they were lacking. And they can connect them. And that's, I mean, the good news in our region here in the Seattle King County area, there are a lot of, uh, non, nonprofit companies out there that are providing service, a variety of services. Um, housing, um, you know, for people who have food insecurity, people who need health care. I mean, there's a bunch of different organizations that provide services for people in crisis, but you have to connect those people to those organizations. And the folks at HealthOne, they know those groups and we, we stopped by a couple of them yesterday when we were doing the ride-along what to, kind to of, what, check what in. What kind
0: of incidents did you respond to yesterday?
2: Well, we had one person experiencing what seemed to be a schizophrenic episode right out in front of the station that they were, were trying to deal with yeah. and then they responded to a woman who uh, had uh, um, experiencing suicidal thoughts and mm-hmm. someone called and came out and saw her so they did a wellness check on her in the morning and then we stopped by um, it's not Compass Point um, I can't remember, it's Compass Something which is a a center in downtown, the Pioneer Square. The
0: the Compass Center, Lutheran Compass Compass Center. Center. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm
2: -hmm. Where they help people, um, you know, with, you know, basic, needs people who are homeless they need a place to stay they need a hot meal they need a bath um, and they also they have people who come through there regularly and so they were health one was checking up on a person that they had worked with before
0: yeah so this is now a uh, an established option for a 911 call yes and, and the dispatcher will make the decision on who to send whether you need a cop or
2: you need the uh, fire department yeah or a cop fire department or health one which is mm-hmm. Connected to the fire department, but a different service. Now, the key point here is Health One is rather small. Um, they work five days a week. Um, they can only respond to so many. This is something that we really need to expand uh, throughout the King County area. Well, you could provide federal money for that as a member <laughs> of the United States Congress. And I did. Good. Actually, we got a grant uh, directly to Health One. Uh, we had, well, I call them earmarks. We're supposed to call earmarks, them sorry. Congressionally directed spending these <laughs> days, but whatever you want to call it, um, it was a chunk of money from the federal government to help Health One.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. That represents progress. Yes. Now, I want to ask some questions as you're in your capacity as uh, the chairman of the, uh, or not chairman, as a uh, member of the House Armed Services Committee. The ranking. Committee, ranking, ranking member. member now. And, and former chairman. Former yeah. chairman. I'm sure that the the chairman consults with you on a regular basis to get yes. your, your opinions closer. Um, so we've got a number of things going on. And, and one of them is uh, arming Ukraine. And I'm curious to know. Uh, just how seriously how serious the new Republican Congress is about limiting our commitment, because there seems to be a number of people on the Republican side who think that we've gone too far.
2: I think it's going to be a challenge. And the good news is the overwhelming majority of Republicans strongly support Ukraine. In many cases, they want to send even more weapons and be even more aggressive about it than President Biden does. Certainly, that's the case for the gentleman we just referenced, Mike Rogers, who is now the chairman of the House Armed Service Committee. He was ranking when I was chairman the last couple of years. Um, most of the key Republicans are strong supporters of Ukraine. The problem, and as we witnessed in the 15 votes to elect a speaker, a very small group can be very disruptive. And, you know, who knows what the small group of 15 or 20 Republicans who do oppose uh, Ukrainian aid, what, what could they do to potentially cut it off? That's the worry, is that that minority could override the will of the majority and and block support in the future. The other piece of good news is we passed a substantial chunk of money at the end of last year, $45 billion. And knock on wood, the thinking is that will last the year. Um, and then we'll see where we're at. But we know that a new Russian offensive is coming, right? That seems to be It's happening. It's happening right
0: now. Yeah. Uh, tanks have been supplied, but Ukraine keeps coming back. The defense minister
2: says, we, we want fighter jets. Right. And you're not going to provide fighter jets. Are you? Well, I don't know if we're going to provide them or not. It is not the most important thing right now. The tanks and the ammunition and also information systems, radars, uh, particularly surface to air missiles for uh, missile defense and to defend against jets. That's what's really kept Ukraine in the fight, making sure that we can get that, you know, supply of ammunition to them and all those key areas going forward. Problem with fighter jets is, I mean, the Russians haven't been able to use uh, fighter attack aircraft in this fight very often because air defenses are so good. They get shot down. Um, and the same would happen to Ukrainian fighter jets as well. Now, at some point in the future, fighter jets absolutely could be part of providing security assurances to Ukraine, and we may well give them to them. Um, we're wrestling with that right now. But no one has convinced me that they're crucial to the fight in this particular moment.
0: There have been no – overtures even through back channels for some sort of political resolution of this oh there've been overtures
2: you know quite quite some our leadership and i meet on a fairly regular basis While i speak mostly with the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff uh, chairman milley general milley um, i speak with jake sullivan also with other you know lead policy people at the pentagon and within the national security council you know overtures are made but and the same things happening with China, for that matter. They're, they're not returning the calls in a lot of instances. The Russians, I refer to in this case. So, yeah, you know, we would love to be able to have a dialogue with Russia about about how to end this, uh, but they're not open to that dialogue right now. Congressman Adam Smith.
6: my favorite movie. Yeah.
0: This is one movie cowboy
7: she's from texas y'all of course she knows this sorry was that derogatory (laughs) she's from texas y'all i just love accents you sound like sandy from spongebob (laughs) good
0: well let's talk about uh valentine's day if Mm -hmm. your date didn't live up to your expectations now you have 364 days to find somebody better so uh good luck (laughs) mickey (laughs) gomez is here to uh, explain where where, where you you can find the best prospects.
6: That's right. There's a new TikTok trend that has about 3.6 billion views. And typically, I'd be like, ah, that's not a. It's not really a trend. No, 3.6 billion views wow. and growing. Yeah, it involves idea. women ditching dating apps and finding love at Home Depot. Yeah. This is
0: what? It's genius. I think it's a great idea.
6: Well, the damsel in distress scenario has been going on for years at grocery stores and on the side of the road or wherever when you go and get your oil changed. But, um, yeah, I did some digging. I, I looked at, you know, who's shopping at Home Depot. And according to Business Insider, the average Home Depot shopper is a white male. He makes about 80K a year. And he's either married with no children or... Or he's single. Mm-hmm. So ladies, single ladies out there are on to something. Um, so they might have a shot at finding love. And more than likely, uh, ladies, if the guy is going to Home Depot, uh, he's crafty. Mm-hmm. He's a hard
7: worker. He can fix things.
6: He can fix he can things. things. Hopefully yes. he's fixed
7: himself before he goes to the store. Hopefully, right. hopefully. Yeah. I just never. Everybody women. needs therapy. Come on. This is I, I agree with you. Yeah. This is one thing you and I do. Although agree I do on. take issue with this whole damsel in distress thing because if this becomes the trend you say it is, I mm-hmm. love going to Home Depot. I love it. I love just loitering in uh, hardware stores. I love my local ace hardware. And I'm constantly getting approached because when I'm just looking around, getting ideas for what I want. Want to do it looks like i'm confused and i don't know what i'm doing and so i get approached constantly can i help you can i help you <laughs> it? it's like leave me alone so I, I think there needs to be a signal maybe that maybe. like i'm here looking for love and it, it, i'm here wait, are you approached alone. by just
0: strange
6: men maybe different colored
7: that? bat no the people that work there sometimes oh. it's a guy who's well, in the same aisle. job
6: I, uh, they're supposed to ask you colleen yeah.
7: You know when it's dripping with you look like you don't know what you're doing, can I help you? Mm-hmm. You know that vibe. I uh, well, I don't I, I, you know, I'm you the don't one hang who, hang who out dates women stores. so yeah. I don't
6: I don't <laughs> get I don't know. I don't, I don't I don't get a, I, I mean I look I guess I have this straight look about me, okay, and I, and, so but do I,
7: I don't go to Home Depot. Maybe they could have different colored baskets, like grab an orange basket if you're just here to shop, mm-hmm. grab a red basket if you're here for love. <laughs> this is true, and I
6: think that they right? should have an aisle dedicated to single men, so that way when women walk in, may I help you? Yes, single men aisle? Yes. I mean that that could help. Sure, well, that could help.
0: Well, what's the what's the equivalent of Home Depot for men who are trying to find women who are handy?
6: Go to Home, Home Depot, Depot too. Oh, they, Go okay. to Home You're Depot to date
7: a gal who's hanging out in Home Depot because she knows what
6: she's doing. She's going to okay. take a plumbing class in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. She's going to learn how to hammer something. Maybe
7: I mean. They, <laughs> I'm not, I'm gonna stop on that one. Okay. Maybe we can do a speed dating in Home Depot. You come with a problem with your home mm-hmm. and they match you with the person I who can you, fix Colleen. it. I love you you can have conversations outside of that, obviously, but if it works out, you can have a first date and eventually they can come and fix your problem. We need to make a TikTok about this even though we're both very married. (laughs) Well, I can help people out. (laughs) This is true. I found
6: a good one. So I asked my best friend because I wanted to know and I always go to her because she's been single for a couple of years now and when I say a couple, I mean ten. And (laughs) And um, it's a long,
7: being single these days, it's a long two years. And she told me,
6: you're right, right. she said finding love is hard regardless where you're looking for it, Mick. She said, um, it And, you know, she's a top exec at Chase. She's a catch. She makes a great income. She dresses well. She looks great. She's beautiful. Um, And I I asked her, I said, well, let me ask you, be honest. Are are you still on those dating apps? And she texted me this morning and she said, I ditched the apps and I joined a social group. We go hiking. We go swimming. We go whitewater rafting. We do the wine tours. And I'm like, that's where you're going on the Mm -hmm. weekends. Okay. Shared interests. And, And then I said, well, have you heard of the Home Depot trend on TikTok? And she said... I was just at Home Depot the other night. And she has a date.
7: So it, works. What? it works. It works.
0: Yes. Which, which section did she meet him? In? She was mm-hmm.
6: in the windows plumbing. aisle. Oh. Windows. Of course. the plumbing. Okay. Uh, Colleen. What? I was just, <laughs> it's a very popular she aisle. Was, she was it's looking right at front. windows, which I believe was near the carpets. And she said that she saw one of the guys there. He eyed her. She eyed him. And according to a study that I also read, chances are if you meet someone in person for the very first time, as opposed to meeting them online, you have a better chance of your relationship working out.
1: Mm. I love this. So, uh, me
7: too. Let's Ladies. get speed dating going at Home Depot. Hey, first,
5: just from the text line as we wrap this up, from yeah. the four two five. If you're interested, uh-huh. single, hundred and forty k a year construction manager, and I'm at the Bellevue store three days a week with a bunch of uh, heart emojis. I'm I'm going to give
6: him... I need his number. I'm going to hook him up with my best friend, Sandra. I've known her since she was 13. Good gal. All right. The Bellevue
5: Home Depot three days a week. Oh, I
7: love making love connections (laughs) on the day after Valentine's Day. And the best
6: time to go, ladies, I hear is at 8 a.m. That's when there's a ton of men there. Sully want a
5: motivated man. Are you kidding I'm a lazy... Uh, overweight husband. You're married. I, I'm sleeping in, and I'm going to Home Depot or Lowe's at, like, noon. You're
7: not <laughs> single. You're not motivated. You already won. You got Holly.
5: Exactly. Yeah, I, don't, I don't get up enough to do a project at 8 a.m. Come on.
0: <laughs> this gives a whole new meaning to, can I help you?
7: Uh-huh.
5: Apparently.
0: Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News, the podcast. I'm Dave Ross.
7: And I'm Colleen O'Brien. You can find our podcast weekday mornings right at 930.
0: And if you subscribe, you'll never miss the Daily Dose of Kindness.